talking pet chat on 2NURFM. Now, we heard about a lot of disgruntled neighbours last week, and it is frustrating when there's dogs that are barking and barking and it's out of our control. You're going to give us some tips in a minute, Denny, mm. um, and perhaps it's a case of dropping some information in the letterboxes of the, the neighbours that own the dogs that are barking. It, it could be, with these tips, possibly, you know. And this is not expensive these tips are not expensive it's how we can use certain types of toys to help the dog use its natural instincts so that it puts its attention uh, and alertness towards doing this behavior rather than bad barking dogs it can send us barking mad can't it daniel carrington uh, t- look don't get me started <laughs> i'll start barking but <laughs> don't do that that was last week <laughs> what the problem is is that especially a lot of the time, the owners may not know their dog's barking because they're not there. They're gone. They're off at work and they're gone for eight hours. And the poor neighbours who happen to be at home have to put up with this barking. Mm. And we had a lot of people calling up last week talking in regards to this. And it's like, how do we deal with this? So here's just some ideas, very simple products that can be used to hopefully um, stop that nuisance barking. And I've got Brian on the phone to talk to us. He's from Rover Pet Products. And uh, it's in regards to there was a, a trial done by Brisbane City Council we're going to talk about that helped in this regard. And uh, these toys, the soda pup toys, and how they can be used for this nuisance barking. Hi, Brian. Hi, Danny. Pleasure to be on the show. First of all, I guess, um, let's talk about what the soda pup toys are. Uh, what do they look like? Uh, can you explain them to us? Yeah, well, soda pop toys are natural chew and food dispensing toys. They come in a variety of colours and shapes, all designed to stimulate the dog and basically encourage them to, to retract the food from the toy. And uh, if you've got different sized dogs, they come in different sizes too, don't they? That's right. We have toys for all breeds and sizes and also for different levels of chew strength. So what I wanted to talk predominantly about is how these treat dispenser toys can be used for dogs who are nuisance barkers in the yard. And there was a trial done with Brisbane City Council and uh, a three-month trial, which was very successful by using these types of treat dispenser toys. Can you give us a bit of a background and tell us what can be done? Well, that's right. So a few years ago, Brisbane City Council did run that trial. And it went for three months, and they actually had 80% success rate. So virtually, instead of the owner feeding the dog in a food bowl in the morning, they actually put their food in multiple toys and placed them throughout the backyard. So then once the owner went out and their dog went outside, the dog had to go to multiple multiple food, food treat dispensing toys, eat from one, go to the next, go to the next. And so they actually went barking because they were motivated and stimulated by the toys. So if you were going to do that kind of a procedure, do you, what kind of product do you put in the toys? And do you freeze? Do you not freeze? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, it really boils down to, to what the dog likes and what you do feed the dog. So you've got kibble, raw food, treats, natural peanut butter, and you can actually freeze them as well. So the Soda Pup range, all of the, all of the treat dispensing toys, they have two holes, so a small hole which you can just pop sticky tape over and then you can fill the, the treat with beef stock or chicken stock, pop it in the freezer, remove the toy once it's frozen, remove the sticky tape and that hole actually stops the dog's tongue from being able to get stuck in, in it for suctioned in it. So it's a safe treat toy. 
probably for them during the day while you're not there. So 80% success rate in Brisbane, was it, where, where this happened? Mm. That's very impressive. So how many sort – and obviously we can get any – there's so many different toys out there on the market. Um, but how many should we be putting around the backyard? Obviously one isn't enough by the sounds of it. No. Well, one isn't enough, but usually three to four is, four is a good amount. Uh, but it does depend on the size of the dog and the size of the toy that you are using for them. And, and it depends how long your dog is likely to stay there and lick on the one toy. So say you'll put a popping a frozen toy out there and it's a hot summer day, the toy's going to last a little while longer than, than a, a toy stuffed with raw food. They'll eat that a little bit quicker. So what uh, what the study found was that, um, from what you were letting me know, is that the Brisbane City Council would get lots of complaints by neighbours mm. who had uh, neighbours whose dogs were barking during the day. And so they, they got some uh, animal behaviourists in to actually see what can they do in regards to this situation and how can they be helped. And, and Brian, when they started to do this treat setup, it was like, first of all, your dog needs to see uh, the, the the treats being put around the yard so they know where, where they are. And then after a week of that, don't even let them see where you're putting the treats. And oh, I was going to ask whether you hide it or show yes, them. Yes, yeah. And, and, and the reason behind that is that way they're going to use their mental ability. They're going to use their, their, their need for hunting, their scent, their sense of smell to try and locate these. So that even takes a bit longer time, but it keeps them busy with that. And when the council went back to the neighbours um, to discuss the neighbours who complained about the barking, what was the results there, Brian? Yeah, so again, 80% success rate, which is fantastic. A lot of happy neighbours. Um, and even some neighbours were asking, are the dogs still there? So the dogs Great. were motivated during the day and they were stimulated and a um, happy solution for all. So basically eight out of ten houses where there was that complaint made, they were really happy, the neighbours were happy and it was solved. So it was a re- relatively cheap and effective way to do it. Did the council buy all the... the the toys, did they? So they, they yeah, <laughs> they I think provided they, they them. provided them with, yeah, that's right. Oh, hello. To, 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 to test it out. That <laughs> was at that time councils, for the trial. Local councils, there's a thought. <laughs> I'm liking the sound of this. It is, it is. So, um, no, well, thank you very much for your time, and I hope that's helpful for people. Um, if anyone wants to know some more information about these, roverpetproducts.com.au, you can have a look at them. There's photos of the products there and how they work. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, thanks very much, Brian. And we do have a caller come through. We've got... Michael from Abermain. Now, you've got a question about your dog's diet for Dr. David Tabret. How can we help? Well, I wonder whether you could help me with a, a, a diet with my little Westie. Yes. That's the trouble. She's not too little. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yep. She, she's seven years old. She probably stands about uh, 12 inches of the withers. Yep. So she's not a small dog by any means. She's not miniature. Um... And she, I think you, we waited there last week at the vet. She was 11, 11.6. Okay, yep. She's a big now, girl. She's a mm. big girl. Yeah. Oh, like I say, she, she's adorable. Uh, just has it and she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a typical Westie. Very, you know, arrogant and full of herself. But yeah. what we've done, we, we've put out some, uh, one of my uh, daughter's friends said she was feeding her dogs on vegetables, frozen mm-hmm. veggies. Yep. So what we've done, we've put her on about maybe 150 grams of cabbage, boiled cabbage and carrot. 
yep. with just a little bit of um, chicken booster, just to give it a bit of a flavour. Sure. And uh, she has 30 grams of uh, very, very lean uh, lamb yep. to have with her tablets. We've got to give her a couple of tablets these days. Right. What, what, she, uh, what tablets is she on? <laughs> you're not going to believe it. The sulphur. Sulphur? Yes, S-L-U-S-U-L-P-H-E-R. Okay, yep. I'll tell you the reason. I don't know whether you, you, you probably haven't heard of it, have you? I'll, have you? I'll see, what, see what you say and then I'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, have you heard of it, though? Um, what's she on those for? Well, she had a real bad skin itch problem. Right, yep. Really bad. <laughs> At uh, the point, I was actually thinking of putting it down. It was just mm, too mm. cruel yeah. seeing it. Yep. But uh, she's on those and you want to know about her diet. Well, but the reason, yeah, the we'll, reason we'll I... Finish, we'll, finish, we'll finish what we started here now about the sulphur. Just keeping in mind, we've got some other callers coming through. Okay. So, yeah, if we, we can just quickly get to the questions so David can help you out, that'll be wonderful. Well, with half a cup of dog food, is that right? Would that be enough or is it too much? Or... Um. There's a couple of couple of ways to approach this. The the reason I honed in on the medication question is that medications can have an effect on diet and also yes. an effect on metabolism. So yeah. that can actually interfere with how the diet is causing weight loss or weight gain. And mm-hmm. it's just very important to assess it in r- relation to if there is medication, is that going to play a role? Overall, however, um, in a very simple model, and I do emphasize simple, is that calories in and calories out is still a very good way to work out whether we're, you know, if you're gaining weight, then um, we've probably got too many calories going in and not enough going out. Now, um, yes, it is more complicated than that, for sure. There's hormonal influences and, uh, as I said, medication, and even the components of the diet themselves in terms of what the calories are can have an impact. We know this through... A whole lot of research. So, the 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 vegetable idea is a really good idea. Um, I might come away from the cabbage though, um, mm-hmm. and I would suggest carrots and beans. Yeah, like green mm-hmm. beans are very good. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people when we talk about dietary therapy for weight loss and so on is that we if we use a vegetable, um, depending on time availability, you might actually just use tinned vegetables or obviously if you can get fresh ones, that's fine. And a lot of people will cook them up, freeze them into portions and have them ready to go. So you just want to make life a bit simpler. But veggies are a really good way to uh, fill out some of the bulk of the diet. They add a low value in terms of calories, but they provide a lot of nutrients and they provide... Uh, fiber as well, particularly those two carrots and and beans seem to work very well. So um, the other thing is that this needs to be very personalized. So when we look at a dog and say, you know, you've given those approximate amounts, 30 grams of lean lamb and 150 grams, um, we need to look at that in relation to how, if the dog is progressing on that diet, if it's losing weight. And to do that, it's not just on the scales, it's also looking at the dog visually. So yeah. there, there is actually some charts, and your veterinarian will have charts of body size and, mm-hmm. and confirmation. So we look, do they have a waist? So if you stand over your dog and you look from above, in front of the hips, does it tuck in or does it go out? And if it goes out, I mean, it's just like... It doesn't go out, but it's just more or straight. Right. Okay. So straight. So we want it to tuck in a little bit. So you're probably not yeah. too, too far off it. 
And even the weight that you were saying, 11.6 kilos, just in my head, I think for a Westie, there's, yeah, it's a little bit high, but it's not, yeah. it's not like he's going to, you know, she's going to be a five kilo dog. No. Right, but like she, I say, looking at Westies, she is large. She's a big one. Yeah. She, she's a, a large dog. So <laughs> we went to that party they had out the vineyards there a couple of weeks back. Yep. First dog we saw when we got out was another Westie. They're very popular. They're very popular. It's only half the size of Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, Westies, um, I work with a dermatologist, and West Highland White Terriers are a very, very common breed to see with skin allergies. So I totally mm-hmm. get where you're coming from with uh, with the problems with the itch, and it can be very hard to get on top of. And um, But it's, you know, you can do it, and as you've shown, you've been able to get some control, which is good. But... It's really about with the diet is if the, if we're not losing weight, then we need to cut back the food, the calories, but you might need to add more veggies to actually help the fiber and bulk out the diet because otherwise they just walk around going, my stomach is half empty, why don't you feed me more? Well, let's fill that stomach with low-calorie food. So you're on the right path, but um, just keep regular check-in and probably just tinker with it a little bit as you've been doing. So I think yeah, you'll get okay. there. Thanks, right. Michael. Thanks Good. for your call. 49216216 if you've got a call for our vet, Dr. David Tabrit today. Now, David, we're looking at snake season. Uh, we've just had oh, someone today. already message us mm. and say he's he's walked out the side at Mayfield, out his back door, and there's a black snake. And on a day like today, they're out and about. They're, and, you know, with the, the fire um, incident emergency out um, Palomain and off Leggett's Drive. Vale, yeah. yeah, we're going to see just in that area, uh, snakes like other creatures will flee that area and make their way towards water sources, towards shelter, which may be someone's house. Yes. Uh, and I, I used to work up at um, Cessnock, so I used to travel out that way to do large animal calls, and I, every summer I would see snakes on the road. Right. Uh, so it's not an uncommon area. But it, not just there, obviously, as you said, in Mayfield, we do see in Generally, we see in the Newcastle region and coastal regions, we tend to see black snakes. So red belly blacks is the most common in this area. Yep. Further up the valley, drier um, kind of climate is um, we tend to see eastern browns. We get to the big boys. None of yeah, none of those are really. Uh, <laughs> none of them are great. It's not like one's better than the other, but I, I guess eastern brown are more deadly. But mm. you know, if it's if a, a black snake, it can be just as deadly to dogs. Absolutely. Um, it's interestingly that cats are uh, a bit more resistant to the effects of black snake uh, venom. Are they? They can mm. handle the, the venom better, can yeah, they? Yeah, they still, they still come down pretty sick. And in, certainly in most cases, if, if they're affected, then treatment with anti-venom is prescribed um, for dogs and cats. And there, but there's a lot of work in this area. Now, the thing I wanted to get across today is that just to, if you have wood piles, if you have sheds, uh, if you have long grass areas down the back, particularly if you're bordering uh, some bushland, then you need to make sure, keep the area well mown and tidy things up. But, you know, if you're running out today to do it um, or tomorrow, then just be very careful because we've already started snake season we've actually had a couple of cases in over the last couple of weeks with some uh, dogs that have been bitten by snakes oh wow yeah already so so david if our pet is um bitten and we suspect that it's a snake bite um what do we do do we try and bandage and bring them straight in do we just bring them straight into the vet what's the most what's of, the most of, of the time there? yeah it's really interesting because you know the first aid applies just as we know with people 
okay, is um, they apply a compression bandage and don't move. Yep. Immobilize. Um, the problem with dogs, so with people, it tends to be on your limbs. You get bitten. Yep. Because yes. you're either yes, walking, walking or... or you kick the snake away or reach down to pick up a stick that turns out to be a snake. Um, so that's why, why people get bitten on those areas. The problem with dogs is they stick their nose in front of the snake. So a lot of the bites that we see are usually on the face and around the head. Ah, so that's quite hard to obviously put a compression bandage on. Correct. So first aid for most dogs is going to involve uh, rapid transport to your veterinarian. And with the eastern brown snakes, the venom is, as as we said, highly toxic, and so um, they will succumb to the effects of it very quickly. And I, I remember many years ago, it was about 20-something years ago, I had a a dog that was, uh, I used to work at Cessnock and I had a dog that was bitten in the vineyards. And okay. the owner saw it. They picked the dog up, rang, and said, We're coming in. And the dog did not make it. And that was from the vineyard to, to, to Cessnock. Cessnock. Yeah. And they may have broken a speeding limit. Yeah. But, yep. uh, it was that quick, like wow. literally within 10, 15 minutes. Okay. So, you know, it can, it can be very um, rapid. And if you're not there, obviously it's. Maybe that you find your pet has died mm. in the yard. And I know over the last few years we've had stories from people about that. Now, the very interesting thing is, um, first of all, we've said about keeping the areas clean around the house and, and the yards. If you've got chooks, uh, you'll often see snakes come around. And they're not after the... They're, are they after not, the eggs? No. Oh. No, because when you feed chooks, you've got food, goes on the ground, the mice come in. Oh, well, they're after the mice. After the mice and they're after the water. Okay. So oftentimes people will come along and, oh, there's a snake in the pen. They'll eat the eggs probably. I don't know. But they tend to go for the um, the mice. Uh, but they will uh, also take some of the water. So that's why you also have to be very careful. If you've got backyard chooks, um, just make sure that you've, uh, again, yeah, keep it tidy if you can, obviously, because that – and. You know, keeping the, the mice population down, very important. On the other hand, if a python turns up, then perhaps leave the python there because while the python's there, he'll keep the... They're the, lovely, aren't they, pythons? Yeah, well... Well, he keeps the mice he'll away. He'll keep the mice away. So that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, he, he, won't, he won't hurt the chooks, will he? Oh, he might. I'm, I'm, I'm gathering that if I say not, we're going to have a, a listener call in and say, uh, I, I found a, a chicken inside a... inside a python. Yeah, yeah, sure. There was one fell off the perch and there was, yeah. So we do need to be mindful of how we look, at, look after our immediate environment. And um, the other thing to note is that we'll talk more about snake bite and snake treatment probably in a month or two. Okay. Um, but it's really just about prevention. The final thing is that there's actually a project now that we're um, involved in, which is looking at mapping the um, presence of uh, the incidence of snake bites. And okay. this is an Australia wide project. So it's really exciting time for us um, in our hospital at the um, emergency centre to be able to participate and try and contribute to improving the knowledge about where these are occurring, what are the risk factors, and um, there is also some treatment uh, data that's being collected. So that'll be happening, well, for the next 10 years, I suppose. But, yeah, it's That'll be interesting very to start seeing some results from that. Very interesting. There's already 230 cases in the database, so 
we'll be looking to add if any uh, dogs or cats come through our door with snake bite in the next season. You'll be adding to that list. Mm, till March, they seem we seem to see snake bites right through till February, March. Carolyn, you've called from Cave Speech. Now, you've got a question for Dr. David Tabret about your chooks. I do. Um, I've just been given an extra two chooks. I've three existing red, red leghorn chooks that I've had for about two years. Mm-hmm. Now, I've introduced the other two, David, and one's quite a large black bird and the others are very small. It looks almost like a bantam size. But by Joe's, I'm having trouble settling them in. As, They're all pecking as, at one another. Are they? Yes. Um, Obviously, the this is where the term pecking order comes from. Yes, mm. yes. It's, so, David, should I should I um, separate them or just let them get on with it? Um, I, I, it's not an area I have a great deal of experience with, but I would actually reference where a couple of um, things I have heard people try before. And the separation idea is worth investigating, but probably where you can... Are they in a in a pen normally? Is it in the They're backyard? in a pen. They're yeah. in a pen in, in the e- only in the evening, David. I let mm. them out just to free range through the days in the mm. garden. And when's the when's the pecking and the harassment occurring? Uh, well, it seems to be all day whenever anybody oh. passes. And oh. the black one, they're, they're not picking on her now because she's quite large. But they, my three red leghorns, or oh, no, two of them, actually are picking on the smaller bird. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it might might be that um, separating them, I think, is going to be necessary, but they need to probably be visible to each other. Yeah. Uh, um, and in some circumstances, I have heard where people have just said, look, it didn't work out. We have to move, move them away to some other place. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it's a topic which uh, is probably worth um, talking with some uh Backyard chicken people. Um, yeah. There would be probably you'll get fifteen answers on yeah. how to approach this. I don't think there's any real tricks as far as you know. Um, you know, uh, when we're trying to settle dogs and cats into a new location, we often we've got some pheromones that we can use. Um, we don't really have anything like that for chickens, so it's going yeah. to be more how you set up the environment. But ultimately, if um, if one of the birds is suffering, then it may be that that's not going to be the environment for him, her. No. Yeah. No, oh, no that's what I thought. I just thought I'd give them a try. They, they did actually, I did separate them into two boxes to yeah. go to bed, but when I came back down to have a look, they were all in the one, oh. in the one cage. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Well, um, yeah, I ask will... around, but I'd certainly think that you might end up having to move one of them on by the sound of it. Thanks for your call, Carolyn, and we'll be going to another one in just a minute. Having a quick look at the weather update for our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning, your Dakin specialist. Remaining sunny and uh, windy this afternoon, a westerly coming in. It's 34 degrees at Williamtown. It is hot out there. And just a quick update at the um, emergency warning in place of the out-of-control fire at Richmond Vale. RFS Inspector Ben Shepherd says a number of properties are now coming under threat, um, potentially within the next half hour to an hour 
at Richmond Vale Road. So please be very careful. Call Triple O if your life's in danger or if you need information, there is an information line, one 737 Of course, we'll update you more in just a couple of minutes when we get to our local news. Uh, we're going to go to Dawn now from Fern Bay. You've got a question about your dog's medication for Dr David Tabret. Yes, hi David, it's Dawn here. Hi Dawn. Hi, I have um, a Westie, typical allergic Westie, and he's been on long-term cyclosporin for at least 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and over winter, I cut him back to about every third day. I find I can hold him. Like, not, not that he gets sick in winter anyway. And I always have to give it to him frozen just before his meal. Yes. And the last twice I've given it to him, he about half an hour after dinner, he's brought the whole lot up. I've given it to him uh, frozen. Yes. Will yeah. he be getting sort of to reject it now, do you think, or does it get so that just they can't tolerate it? Um, yeah, there, are, there certainly are some concerns with long-term cyclosporin. So for other listeners, cyclosporin in this case is used to modify the immune system, which is overactive in an allergic dog. And, um, you know, in some circumstances, people will use cortisone therapy, but that has side effects. And so we try and balance it out with the various medications. There are a whole lot of other approaches, but there is certainly you can get gastrointestinal upset with cyclosporin. And it may it's not that the body kind of goes, that's it, we've had enough, but it certainly does. um, We do see cumulative effects. So I guess it is. I guess it is the body saying. Um, yeah, we've had enough. But um, that's yeah. that's something I definitely need to speak with your veterinarian about, uh, about what strategy they might want to use from here on. Um, it may be a circumstance that means we've got to change the medication. That's It's not a good time of the year to be doing that, though. So... Um, but it really needs an in-depth conversation with your veterinarian. Good yeah. luck with that, Dawn. And we'll go to one final question today. We've got Kerry from Maryland. You've got a question about your dog. Yes, hello. Hi, Kerry. I have um, two English bull terriers. Right. And they're very prone to allergies. Yep. Skin conditions. Yes. And one of them, our older dog, she's nine, she's going on ten. She gets a lot of problems with her feet in between her... her... In, in the pads? Yeah. Yeah. It, this is a real problem with a lot of breeds, but particularly English Bull Terriers. Um, and again, it comes down to probably, like you said, allergies and this condition called atopy in dogs, which is an inherited uh, problem with their uh, immune system, and it comes through an antibody called IgE. So just like we were saying with Dawn with different medication, it's uh, one that really needs in-depth investigation. There are some other conditions like yeast and bacteria, but oftentimes we end up either doing allergy vaccines or they need to go on long-term medication for it. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.